On 19th October 2017, the first interstellar object was detected, tumbling through our solar system at a speed close to 59,000 miles per hour. Astronomers have classed it as being of natural origin, but certain anomalies in its flight path, including a sudden unexplained acceleration, lead many to believe that this is an alien object. Join us on Aliens Explored as we discuss the mystery of Oumuamua. Aliens Explored is a weekly podcast exploring famous and obscure cases of UFO sightings, alien abductions and other strange events from both a believing and a sceptical perspective whilst keeping an open mind. I'm Stu Jackson, a professional actor and amateur ufologist with a particular interest in the crop circle phenomenon. I'll be debating that otherworldly visitations are real. The truth is out there. And I'm Neil Kelly. I'm a professional actor as well and used to work for the military as an intelligence analyst. I'll be arguing from a more doubtful point of view. I mean, it's all a bit far-fetched, isn't it? Welcome back, listeners, to another episode of Aliens Explored, your weekly podcast where we look at the strange and mysterious within the UFO and otherworldly community. I'm one of your hosts, Stu Jackson. And I'm your other host, Neil Kelly. And this week, it's it's quite an interesting one, this. It's recent history, so just 2017, um, mm. just over three years ago now. Um, yeah, this, this object's coming to, into the solar system. Well, it's been picked up. It it excited astronomers, obviously. The first known interstellar object detected passing through the solar system. I didn't know that. I assumed all sorts of comets and asteroids and whatever. Um, I mean, does it count as interstellar if it assumes it leaves our solar system? Uh, But interstellar means between stars. Between stars. But once you're out of our solar system, presumably... You're, are you in another solar system or are you in? Is there an empty space in between? Well, you're travelling between solar systems. Aren't yeah, it, it's. I mean, I suppose extrastellar. I don't know if that's a word. Um, but it's been travelling between star systems. So I, I, I just always believe that things like Halley's comet would follow a route which would take them out of our solar system, potentially into another one before they loop back and. Uh, Come around again, but apparently, well, our solar system is is quite huge, isn't it? I mean, once you get to Pluto, you're still apparently you're pretty much still only halfway through it, halfway across it. There's there's a long, long way to go before you're deemed to be out of the solar system. Well, it's it's one of the things that a lot of people struggle to get. That I know I struggle to get my head around the actual enormity 
of of space and the distances involved. Mm. Um, and yeah, we talk about the solar system like it's local, but yeah. it's it's really really not <laughs> local at all. Um, it is absolutely massive. So um, so yeah, the idea that something has come from outside that area is. It, it, it's almost inconceivable um, mm. but here it is Oumuamua uh, which is the Hawaiian uh, roughly vaguely translates as scout or yes. something similar um, but yeah so it, it's it's coming on this trajectory into our solar system mm. um, it comes quite close to the sun and bear in mind that there's there's a gravitational pull from the sun. I mean, the sun is like incredible in size compared to you know the Earth, which has a a pretty sizable gra- gravitational pull as it is. Mm. Um, yeah, it comes close to the sun, which implies oh, it's being pulled into it, and then it changes direction and accelerates away. But could that also be to do with the gravitational pull of the sun? I mean, I, I know, um, I know from watching Apollo fifteen with Tom Hanks saying that they would, um, they would abort their moon landing and they would orbit the moon and use the the moon's gravitational pull to kind of as a slingshot to fire as them a back. Slingshot to fire them back. But so was Oumuamua doing that with the sun? Quite possibly. Um, but here's the thing about doing a slingshot around a gravitational object: you need thrusters to mm. guide you in that particular direction if you're just floating randomly you are not going to slingshot you're going to crash into it Uh, and and that's an interesting thing i mean it looks like it it got quite close to the sun that it was actually Mm. within um between mercury's gravitational orbit and the sun that it didn't just get sucked into the sun exactly um now it is so so it's not unknown for comets in particular, which is what this was originally thought to be, Mm. um, to change directions suddenly um, Mm. and to slow down, to to decelerate as they approach the sun. Because what happens, you've got pockets of gas Mm. um, in in these, uh, in comets. And as they get closer to the sun, of course, they melt because they're ice. And these pockets of gas are suddenly released, which creates like a, it's almost like a jetpack effect it, it's exactly directly jetpack. at the sun. Yeah, it melts so the ice, turns it into steam, and it blasts out and powers yeah, it. So you get deceleration happening quite a lot hmm. uh, with these things. You can get course changes happening because of these things. But what you also always invariably get is a visible release of gas. Hmm which Oumuamua did not have. Right. So it it just randomly accelerated away from the sun. Yeah. It's not... not, Well, it it seems random. (laughs) But but people, astronomers watching it, presumably are able to say, yeah, there was definitely no release of gas... And I cannot explain how it accelerated. It was being watched very, very carefully. I, I actually remember the event happening as it, as it, at, at the mm. time. Um, 
coming out on the news and yeah it was being watched very close so this was very exciting <laughs> even even as it was originally thought you know just a bit of an asteroid or or a comet or just a normal bit of flotsam and jetsam mm. from space but it was very exciting because it was the first interstellar object that had been tracked because we've now got this technology to track these things coming into the solar system from outside which we'd just not had before um Hmm. You know we can track things really well, but but this was a this was a first. This was a a big event, um, and it turns out that it's this thing that actually behaves like it's making course corrections. Hmm. Very strange. Very strange indeed. And um, and and flying at, at at cosmic speeds when it. it I'm reading the information here. It has a hyperbolic excess velocity, um, which is apparently its its speed relative to the sun when in interstellar space, of 58,900 miles per hour, or 94,800 kilometres per hour. To put that in context, the muzzle velocity of a high-velocity round coming out of an AR-15, very popular with uh, perhaps some of our listeners, um, is... 3,000 metres per second, which is about 2,000 miles per hour. So this thing is going 30 times as fast as the fastest point at which your bullet is travelling. Faster than a speeding bullet. There 30 you go. times as fast as a speeding <laughs> bullet. <laughs> I mean, that's. Uh, you can also imagine that over an extended period of time in space where you've got, you know, no drag coefficient, you've, mm. you, you, and you've got continual acceleration you will pick up a pretty fair (laughs) thick of speed um but yeah that is that is pretty fast then um it's not a small object now i i mentioned uh, at the end of last episode um i i did a comparison to the arthur c clark science fiction novel rendezvous with rama yes. uh, which is an excellent book and, and well worth a read where a cylindrical object comes in to the solar system uh, is quickly discovered to be artificial and and people humans land on it and explore it and it turns out to be a vessel hmm. um now i'm not saying that this is a vessel but it actually has some, some interesting similarities um with Rama in in the whole almost cylindrical kind of cigar shaped um, shape. It, it is uh, like a rough cigar, isn't it, or a, or a doobie that, that someone's badly rolled. It, yeah. <laughs> it, I, I I know nothing about what you're talking about there at all. <laughs> I'm um, only going with what I've seen on television, listeners. <laughs> but this um, this is quite. Uh, I, I mean, Rama. In, in the book is a massive massive vehicle uh, this is quite a lot smaller than that of course at about 100 yards long mm. uh, which is still I mean that's not that's not small um, well they, they seem to have very varying guesses it's estimated to be between 100 and 1000 metres long between 300 and 3,000 feet. So that's quite a range, isn't it, of possibilities. It's, it could be this size or it could actually be 10 times that size. Okay, I hadn't... Um, yeah, and it's I hadn't thickness, come across that. Yeah, estimated to range between 35 metres 
and 167 meters so somewhere between 115 feet and 548 feet wide right so that's quite a a very and and given that they're so vague about how big it is is it possible they might have missed other things like a an explosion of gas as as ice inside it melts and turns to steam and acts as a jet I, I suppose that's theoretically possible, but they were specifically looking for that uh, that release of gas. Mm. Um, and also, I suppose, from the angle that they were looking at, you know, it's not going to have been obscured. Mm. But what they're saying was there was no release of gas. They're not saying there might have been a release of gas, but we didn't see it. They're saying there just definitely wasn't one. Yeah. 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 They would have. They would have seen it happening. Um, and it's also the the concept as it moved away from the sun, it accelerated mm. only slightly, only slightly, but but it's significant the fact that it accelerated at all as it moved away. Right, but they couldn't account for the acceleration in any way. Nope. nope. Not at all. I mean, the the uh, the only technology that we have, um, or, or we sort of come close to on this planet, would be something like uh, solar sail technology. Mm. I don't know if you're familiar with with that, are you, Neil? Um, I've I've heard of it, and I've heard of solar winds and things. And, and... well, the the concept is that you use a large enough. Uh, but basically, like a sailboat being pushed by wind, uh, hmm. this is actually pushed by particles from the sun. Uh, and if you have a large enough uh, reflective surface, it will propel uh, a vehicle through space by basically using yeah particles hmm. from the sun, sunlight. <laughs> well, you can even by, by these little windmills, can't you? That are powered by sunlight. A, a little plastic, clear plastic dome with a little thing spinning around which is um a reflective surface facing a non-reflective surface and it the sunlight on it makes it spin well that's um photovoltaic solar uh solar power uh which is slightly different that uses uh energy from the sun and converts it into electricity yet you've got two different types of of solar power in in common use Mm. one is uh photovoltaic which is the one you're describing there the other one is solar thermal which a lot of people use for the heating in their house yeah uh which essentially uses large black uh shiny tiles filled with tiny little tubes with water inside and what it does is it superheats the water as it flows through them and then that heats your your hot water system or your central heating system in your mm-hmm. home so you've got two different types there but this is this is kind of a third type this is effectively using radiation to push it so um, it's it's a kinetic force rather than an electrical force and and that's more effective than harnessing a different kind of solar power to drive an engine for instance well you'd have to have an engine uh, for a start and the moment you start uh, converting one form of energy into another uh, you, you're going to get sort of diminishing return basically hmm. whereas a solar uh, a, a solar sail is uh, a, a much sort of cleaner direct form if you like it's literally just using radiation to to push it 
it, it's as simple as that. It's a bit, a bit like using a, a wind farm on a boat mm, as opposed to, to having run an engine. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's like cut out the middle, man. <laughs> mm. um, yeah. So, so there you go. So that's kind of that's the closest thing that we we understand in our current level of technology that could do what this thing has done. Um, this mm. is my understanding. Now, I understand as it travels through space, it's in a kind of tumbling motion. Is that end over end? It appears to be, yes. Uh, so it's not travelling as you would expect a craft like that. It's not like in Star Wars, this, this huge long cigar thing flying over. It's tumbling over and over. Absolutely. And that also uh, kind of puts paid to this idea that it's a it's a pocketed release of gas because that would affect its tumbling motion more than its directional well it might affect its direction but or more than its but, actual velocity it'll make it spin faster maybe like a catherine it, wheel spin faster spin more slowly spin in a different direction i mean there's all sorts of depending on where the where the mm. gas is released from um but that also is is an uncommon thing for uh, a comet apparently is you, you, over time they don't um I, I mean they're not quite spherical but and they can end up quite streamlined but but that's because of the forces that they do encounter on oh. occasion sort of paring them down as it were um yeah so this tumbler again tumbler that's a really weird thing for it to do well not if it's a piece of debris from a, a long ago was it a, a, a supernova or something like that? that just if, if, if it's been blasted into space by some kind of interstellar event, that yeah, it would be just tumbling over and over and over, and there's no there's no friction in space to slow it down. Except there are forces that work on it. So the, mm. I mean, for example, the gravitational pull of the Earth doesn't just end at the atmosphere. No. Uh, you know, our gravitational pull, it obviously affects the moon. Um, it affects other planets. I, I mean, the planets on our solar system all work. If if one of the planets is knocked out with its of alignment, even slightly, it affects all of them. Isn't there something, there's a, there's a, um, a rate of gravity which has to be correct to something like 23 decimal places? And if, it's, if, there's, if gravity is slightly too powerful the the universe will kind of collapse in on itself and if it's slightly too weak the universe will just disintegrate it'll just sort of f- everything will fall apart all the orbits so it, it's a very fine measure and there's there's something else called the cosmological constant isn't there that keeps mm. the keeps the universe hanging together but, but i mean we talk about it hanging together but it's not um i mean after the big bang you know you've got this, this explosion this this the universe mm. is created. You've actually got the the big bust, which is it's actually going to start contracting in on itself back to mm. a pre Big Bang status. And um, time will run backwards. And and someone <laughs> yeah. someone hypothesised that has already happened. The universe has already reached its maximum expansion and is now contracting, and time yeah. is running backwards, which is why nothing makes sense. <laughs> I think Red Dwarf put forward that <laughs> the TV show for, you, yeah. for our um, for 
for our overseas listeners, uh, Red Dwarf is a sci-fi comedy mm. uh, from the BBC. Very, very funny. Well worth looking up. And, and yeah, if you if you're into your sci-fi and you like comedy, um, yes, they they put forward that theory uh, that that our universe is the one that is wrong and it's running backwards. Yes. Uh, <laughs> yeah. uh, but yes. Um, so. Okay, so if it's debris from this supernova, it's tumbling mm. through space. That's fine, except the tumbling would be affected the moment... And look how close it came to the sun. Well, that it, would have affected it. It's not like they've been observing it for a long time, is it? It was, it was first spotted in 2017, yep. 40 days after it passed its closest point to the sun. Um, when it was first observed, it was about 33 million kilometres from Earth which is about 85 times as far away as the moon and yes. already heading away from the sun. So it's not something they've had a great deal of time to study. Um, it was speculated that it could have been um, an alien object. In 2019, astronomers reported that Oumuamua was an object of a purely natural origin. Um, it, I think at one point they said it was a comet and then they changed the the designation to an asteroid because of something is it a coma or a comma that it lacked so there's an awful lot of technical terms here that there uh, would be um but how how can they possibly know and i'm i'm sorry no comet no asteroid makes course corrections like that um and unless it's um yeah i mean they, they did say despite its close approach to the sun um Oumuamua showed no signs of having a, a comma. So is it a comma or a coma? Um, which is the nebulous envelope around the nucleus of a comet formed when the comet passes close to the sun on its highly elliptical orbit. As the comet warms, parts of it sublimate. This gives the comet a fuzzy appearance when viewed in telescopes and distinguishes it from stars. But it did exhibit non-gravitational acceleration. So it's in a it's in free fall in a vacuum. Oh, so gravitational accept, acceleration is is caused exclusively by the force of gravitational attraction. So it's so, it's not going to be repelled by the sun's gravitational pull. It's going to be attracted by something. That's yes. What it would. It would so so what you've just said is it's not a comet because it doesn't have certain things that are exhibited by a comet. It's not a comet. And it did something straight. It worked against gravity. It worked against gravity, um, but nevertheless, astronomers are, say, are saying that this is a purely natural origin, even if they can't tell you why it... it um... But that... So, so I mean, forgive me for saying this, but that just sounds like a load of techno-babble to mm. hide the fact they don't know what it is. Yeah. They say, oh, look, it, it, it's natural because techno-babble, techno-babble, we don't know what it is. Yeah. Well, if um, they don't know what it is, how can they say it's natural? According to a NASA scientist, <laughs> the object could be a remnant of a disintegrated rogue comet, or exocomet, which is a comet outside the solar system, which includes rogue comets and comets that orbit stars other than the Sun. The first exocomets were detected in 1987 around Beta Pictoris, a very young A-type main-sequence star. There are now a total of 27 stars around which they've spotted these these things. But this this one engages in interstellar travel. Except you've just said these other experts said it can't be a comet because it doesn't exhibit this nucleus yeah. thing. So, 
So um, when it says astronomers reported that it was an object of pure natural origin, that's probably, that's not 100% consensus. That's just some astronomers have said that. Um, but uh, in, well, in, in response to speculation that it was actually an alien object. Well, do you know what? Um, let's look at what's said by someone who I think we can agree is an expert in these things. At Harvard, mm -hmm. um, as a university, is very, very well-renowned. Um, so the chair of the Department of Astronomy for Harvard, mm. he said he's absolutely convinced that it is... Um, Uh, Bob, I'm, I'm from hanging an on you every civilization. Yeah, <laughs> hang, sorry, uh, from an alien civilization. I wanted to make sure I use the words correctly. Um, yeah, from right. an alien civilization. Uh, that's Avi Loeb. He does have a book coming out, Extraterrestrial: The First Signs of Intelligent Life Beyond Earth. It comes out in January twenty sixth, in fact, mm. of this year. Uh, which would be interesting. Presumably they can't track Umumur and, and work out when we're likely to see it again, if that's likely to happen. Well, why would we see it again? I mean, not all astronomical objects have a, an elliptical or, or looped no. pattern. I know um, some do, obviously. You know, Halley's Comet and uh, is it uh, Kepler? Yeah. I think, but um, but not everything does. And indeed, mm. as we as our ability to track things uh, increases, and, and bear in mind, it's not like we we've got telescopes pointed at every part of the sky at all times. No. We're we're looking at a tiny, tiny fraction of our solar system at any given moment. So the fact that we found this thing, the fact that we saw it, I know you said like it was forty days after the event. Mm. <coughs> But that in itself, you know, the fact we found it is is quite incredible. So th these things could be happening all the time around us. And mm. we just, you know, we're going to miss it. <laughs> yeah. But there's also a concern, isn't there, that of how would, we, how would we know if a comet or asteroid was heading towards us to, to wipe us out? Apparently, I mean, the, people have talked about we, we could deploy nuclear weapons to to intercept these things but actually these things come so fast we, we don't have a way of seeing them coming we've, only, we've only ever tracked them after they've gone past and you can imagine uh, there, there was a there was a comet or an asteroid I read about that we had a, we had a near miss and it missed Earth by it sounds like a lot um, I think it was 100,000 miles that's not a lot at but, all. But according to Bill Bryson, that's the equivalent of a bullet through your hat brim. You know, that's it, it's, mm. it's really close. It is, and and um, if I'm if I'm thinking about the same event, uh, that would have been uh, a, 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 an apocalyptic event. Oh, god! Yeah. If it had hit, um, you know, uh, was that the one that was larger than the asteroid that uh, killed off the dinosaurs? Um, I don't know. Uh, no. I, I don't know, but yeah, it was it was it was it was a close call. Yeah, yeah exactly. And I mean, you look at the moon. Um, mm. I mean, the moon is our defense system from a lot of asteroids, of course. That's why the moon is so pockmarked. It almost attracts them. It draws them in, and 
and takes a lot of the, <laughs> the takes the fire for us. Right. Yeah, um, it's one of the things that the moon just happens to do. Mm. Uh, and it's again, it's all to do with gravitational forces and, and what have you. But, but the moon doesn't get in. destroyed. But well, I suppose it wouldn't destroy the Earth, would it? it? Would destroy life on the Earth? Yes. If it impacted. Yes, I mean it. it it's basically a big cloud uh, that 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 kills off life. Because well, uh, it a, creates a an ice age and a, a massive explosion as well. Well, the explosion would would definitely do a lot of damage, um, mm. but on a global side, it's more about bringing about another ice age. As this this cloud of dust uh, mm. goes up into the sky and blocks out um, sunlight, basically, the Earth cools down very rapidly. You get another ice age, and um, bang, mm. yeah. We're gone like the dinosaurs, and then it's the, then it's the cockroaches' turn. Yes. <laughs> There's, um, I, I was reading about these. There are these shelters deep under the ground, and you can book a place there for yourself and your family um, to survive something like that, or a nuclear war, or the zombie apocalypse. The idea is that you can go down there and survive for a couple of years until the Earth is habitable again. But of course. It's very, very expensive. Mm-hmm. And so, of course, the only people who can afford to go down there and survive are rich people. And, <laughs> and when they come out, they will have such post-apocalyptic survival skills as owning land or manipulating <laughs> the stock market or running a hedge fund. Yes. Very little in the way of practical skills. Yes, presumably they, they, they'll, they'll be watching webinars while they're down there. Maybe it's... Um, Maybe they've got a bunker for them, their family, and their gardener. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> One never knows. But okay, well let's um, let's summarise about Oumuamua then. Um, so but actually, before we do, it, I'm, I'm going to ask you a quick question. But had you had you been aware of it in 2017, or is this kind of the first you're hearing? About no, it? I remember something about it. I remember the excitement that there was an interstellar object passing through our solar system it was um, big news at the time it's it, amazing we've kind of almost forgotten but it has been an eventful year it's been an eventful time <laughs> yes but it, it's um yeah this this long cigar shaped thing that uh, was that, that they speculated was some kind of alien craft they, i don't i don't remember the bit about it tumbling over and over and over but uh mm. there, there we go. go so what what do you think then is this is this an alien craft or alien technology an alien probe perhaps I don't know it's just something passing through space and there's probably all sorts of stuff going through space that we've never heard of before yeah. and with forces acting on it that we we're not quite aware of I suppose the ultimate question is do you think that's an intelligent force deliberately controlling it or is it more of a natural force and it's just random I'm going to go with natural and random you are? yes sell me on it, tell me why Um, I can't think what it would be doing I mean, alright, I, I know we, we always think in terrestrial terms and we think of, whenever we think of spacecraft we think of spacecraft that we would fly in and, and that which would be basically like an aircraft, an aeroplane that would fly in a straight direction. Um, you would have a cockpit, 
and such it wouldn't be an object that tumbles over and over and over randomly but you know that might be a very efficient way to try. And, and in space of course we've got a, a, a neutral gravity you might not notice your craft tumbling over and over and over you wouldn't notice it being upside down would you well there wouldn't uh, be an upside down no there isn't an upside down so it, it's very difficult to relate that to any kind of vehicle that a human might travel in so and and, I, and all, all it did was pass through in the, in the way that a comet or an asteroid would pass through even though it's not on as far as we know on an elliptical route but I don't know there, there are things about it that can't be explained but I, I still I'm still coming down on the yeah I, I pre- there are doubts there there are mm-hmm. um, odd things about it that uh, that can't be explained but I think I'm still because that's the format of this show <laughs> I'm going to come down <laughs> on the side of it's a it's a it's a natural object um, it's not intelligent and you, you don't have out. you don't have to take that stance <laughs> if, we've, if we've convinced you that's great do, do you think we might have a show one day where i convince you the other way you say oh yeah that's probably bollocks it's uh, it's quite possible yeah. and you know what there will be some events no doubt that we discuss that i do feel that in fact we've had we've hmm. had uh, discussions where i've agreed no yeah. that wasn't um that wasn't otherworldly. Yeah. But you know what? Okay, so you've talked about vehicles, and I'm, I'm going to tell you exactly why I feel the opposite, why I'm convinced that this is some form of alien technology. Um, okay. And you know what? I might even convince you of this, because you've talked about vehicles that we would um, sit inside and travel oh. in, and I'm going to give you a different type of vehicle. I'm going to talk about Voyager. I'm going to talk about Cassini. I'm going to talk about satellites and probes that Mm. are sent out into the universe to collect information and send that information back. Mm. Why couldn't this be exactly that? You know, it flies through the solar system, collecting information about our solar system, then veers off into the great unknown, onto the next solar system to collect more information for an alien civilization, Or perhaps... Um, a bit like our our voyages that, that they only they only collect information as far as until they reach a point where they can no longer send it back, and then yeah. from that point on they are just a bearer of information if they should yes. happen to fetch up somewhere. Absolutely. Um, um, yeah. So yeah, yeah, it could be. And with solar power of some description, I mean, I've talked about solar sails. We've talked mm. about solar photovoltaic. Um, there may well be other forms of solar power that we are currently unaware of that it might have utilised. Maybe it was utilising gravitational energy to use its mm. course creation. Who knows? I mean, that's the. But I'm absolutely convinced that this was a form of technology passing through our solar system, possibly collecting information to send back to some distant alien civilization, or perhaps some civilization that died out millions of years ago that uh, you know they, they launched the thing it traveled a certain distance sending back information and then that was it yeah. it was gone yeah. no way to bring it back it just vacuum of space going. is going to preserve it quite well i would have thought so that's 
a distinct possibility absolutely but yeah. what do you think listeners do you remember when this news broke uh what were your thoughts at the time and what are your thoughts now on it uh it's certainly an interesting subject uh the jury's out for neil it seems i remain convinced as ever which won't be a surprise to our regular listeners um but yeah but we really do want to hear what you think you can find us in the usual places on twitter and facebook by searching aliens explored or by visiting aliensexplored.com we really really do want to hear from you um don't forget to join us next week when (laughs) we'll be discussing some quite interesting breaking news neil um so there was an, a very recent COVID bill. Um, we, we don't talk about COVID very much on the <coughs> show. Um, but, yes, there was an interesting uh, COVID bill uh, that was signed. That, and, and I can't, for the life of me, work out what it's doing in there. But there's 180 days notice to release all information pertaining to UFOs. What's was that it, about? Was it, some, was it something in the small print? Yes, we, you, you obviously want all this money to deal with COVID, to, to get your testing and tracing and vaccinations and PPE. Um, sign here. Oh, what's all this? Don't bother reading that. Just sign here. And then after they've signed it, like, oh, we've, we've agreed to release all the information we have on, on UFOs. What's it's, that it looks, like, it looks like something like that. Just Yeah. Yeah, well, do you know what? We'll be seeing if we can get to the bottom of that. What is really going on there? So do join us for that very, very exciting episode. I can't wait. Uh, Me neither. I'm looking forward to it. Fantastic. In the meantime, keep watching those extra uh, stellar objects coming into our solar system. Fire the skies. <laughs> Until next time. Take care. Bye bye. Next time. Aliens Explored is a Fiegel Films production in association with Juicy Falls. Music by Darren Mafucci and editing by Stu Jackson. Find us on Twitter and Facebook by searching Aliens Explored or visit aliensexplored.com. 